0: All right, guys, welcome back as we continue to plow through the Word of God. The writings of Moses, hard to believe, we're in Exodus 27 and 28. Now, just as a, a quick backdrop, remember in Exodus 26, the Lord is giving Moses these instructions of, I want you to build these certain things within the tabernacle. You know, you have the curtains and the planks and the crossbars and the veil, the, the, the famous veil. And, and then what about the screen that has the entrance into the tent? And so... Exodus 26, you have this backdrop about what he's supposed to build. But oh, by the way, Exodus 27, he's not done. I need you to build the altar of the burnt offering in the courtyard, in the the posts, in the tools and in the oil. I want you to build all of these things. Why? So that I can have a chosen people, specifically the Levites, those that are the priests. I want them to serve me faithfully inside the tabernacle. It's a cool picture about how God, you know, you think about this, the Israelites, you know, all of them are special treasures. All of them are a a, a chosen priesthood. All of them are a holy nation. But yet God says within those, within that group, I want the Levites to do something specifically. So he says in Exodus 28, verse 1, he says, Have your brother Aaron with his sons come to you from the Israelites. Remember, I'm pulling you from the Israelites to serve me as priest, Aaron, his sons Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. It's an incredible picture about what a priest is to do. And Dr. Tom Constable says these four things. Number one is, I want you. We already talked about this to maintain the holy place of the tabernacle. Okay, that's number one. Maintain the holy place of the tabernacle. Number two, like, like let me just give you an example though. Like burning incense, trimming lamps, replacing the showbread. You have all of these. You're maintaining, taking care of these things. Number two, that constable says these priests are supposed to do, they're supposed to maintain the tabernacle courtyard. Okay, so you have, first of all, the holy place of the tabernacle. They're also supposed to maintain the courtyard, which is the offering sacrifices, keep them burning, removing the ashes, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a non-stop role. They're all supposed to do this. Inspect and uh, appraise the people's sacrifices that they're coming to the table with. They're supposed to make sure the people are doing okay and so are the sacrifices, okay? Maintaining, uh, the, the holy place of the tabernacle, maintaining the tabernacle courtyard, and then they're supposed to appraise the, the people and inspect the people and as well as the animals. And then number four, uh, These priests, very specifically, are to teach and counsel the people. In other words, they're supposed to communicate the law. The constable says they're supposed to make and decide on difficult cases. And so these priests have crazy, ridiculous roles inside the tabernacle. Now, now he says, okay, now here's your role. And Watch this. If you go back to verse one, he says, I want you to serve me as a priest. So that, that entails a lot, right? Aaron, his sons, Nadab and Abihu. (laughs) Oh, man, Eleazar and Ithamar. Uh, Kevin, I, I, I just feel like you're on today. You ready for this one? Do you have any idea what happened to Nadab and Abihu? I do not. All right. They went the wrong way. They went evil. So, Kevin, if you can, go to Leviticus 10, 1 and 2. So they're supposed to serve them in this way. But the problem is in Leviticus 10, it says Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, each took his own fire pan. They put fire in it placed incense on it and presented unauthorized fire. Nope, this fire is not authorized. You know I mean? (laughs) Which God had not commanded them to do. Now watch what happened. I wouldn't do this, you guys. Verse two, then fire came from the Lord and burned them to death before the Lord. Oh, (laughs) Um, if you're considering using any unauthorized fire today, I would consider you, I would ask you to reconsider. I mean, the sons of Aaron, the nephews of Moses, They did not follow the instructions and they were dead. (laughs) Eleazar and Ithamar, they're the ones who, who did it properly down the road. So in this role, I just want to get you to understand their role is to serve. Five times you're going to see in Exodus and Leviticus, God says, as priests, you are to serve me. So this is the mentality. I want you to serve everything that you can do in this tabernacle for me. So as you're doing this, now I want you to put on, and I like this mentality, I want you to put on your uniform. I want you to put on your, your outfit, your clothing. And in fact, it says in verse 2, make holy garments for your brother Aaron, for glory and beauty. Most people don't think of Moses as a as a guy who makes clothes, but I don't know if Moses does it. We just know very specifically right here, garments are supposed to be made for his brother. Hey, look, Aaron, I made you some clothes today. I don't know why that's in- intriguing to me, because I'm going to get into further down the road about uh, Moses even wearing a mask as a superhero. That's kind of fun. Later on this week, we're going to get to that. So you're supposed to make these garments. Now, what I like about this, Warren Wearsby, he says these holy garments are supposed to do a couple things. One is they're supposed to provide honor and dignity when you're coming before the Lord. Uh, it's, it's, keep this in mind, it's, it's a uniform. Number two, it's supposed to, uh, as you have these holy garments, it's going to reveal spiritual truths that reflect... Uh, that it relate to the ministry. Okay, and then number three, if they weren't wearing these garments, remember, Scripture says they might die. Kevin just says a backdrop. Can you go to Exodus 28, verse 35? If they're not wearing these garments, Exodus 28, verse 35. So it's, it's that important. It says... The robe must be worn by Aaron whenever he ministers and its sound will be heard when he enters the sanctuary before the Lord and when he exits so that he does not die. And then in verse uh, 43, uh, just again, another picture about why they must be wearing these. It says, these must be worn by Aaron and his sons whenever they enter the tent of meeting or approach the altar to minister in the sanctuary so that they do not incur guilt and die. I mean, you want to talk about, man, I'm not going to mess up and not put this thing on. The priests are told to put on their holy garments. Why? Because they are being chosen. They are being set apart amongst all of the 12 tribes. And they say, I want you to do a specific role. If you don't, I I will kill you. It's pretty apparent Nadab and Abihu, they went wrong. And God literally brought the fire from heaven and literally burned them to death. Now, let me just say this. Um, It can go bad at times. Okay, obviously Nadab and Abihu, it can go bad. And so if you're not careful... Um, if you're not focused on your serving the Lord, it can deteriorate. Over and over again, it says, and in, even in Ezekiel, it says, the priests permitted people to worship idols. So they began to go into uh, to the wayside. And because of that, then the Babylonians ended up destroying Jerusalem uh, and the temple. And literally thousands of years, the Jews were sent into exile because the priests lost their focus. They allowed people to do what they wanted to do. And so if we're not careful, I'll even speak to you know leaders in the church in America if you begin to fall into the, to the ways of the world, the ways of the flesh, that's what happens is then the church begins to reflect even what you're doing. And as a, res, as a result of a reflection of what you're doing, I believe we, we lose our focus inside the church. That's why we need a move of God. That's why we need true revivalists, because all of a sudden we're letting these things creep into what God says. No, that's, that's not what we want. And he says in verse 3 of Exodus 28, you're to instruct all the skilled craftsmen, whom I've filled with a spirit of garment, so spirit of wisdom. So now here's here's where we're getting into uh, Moses isn't making that. Praise the Lord. Uh, The skilled craftsman whom I've filled with the spirit of wisdom. Just so you know, that's actually a gift in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul talks about to make Aaron's garments for consecrating him. Watch this. To serve me as a priest. Five times he's saying, I want you to serve me. I want you to serve me. I want you to serve me. The the uh, the word that the Lord continues to give me this year is serve. Kyle, will you serve me? And this is silly, you guys, but these are little illustrations. My kids will be sitting on the couch. Man, they got two legs. They're five years old. They're nine years old. They're 11 years old and 12. Trust me, they all can get up and walk and get their water. And they'll be like, hey, Dad, can you get me some water? And I'm just kind of like, no, you can get your own water, right? That's kind of the mentality. But if I have this serving, making other people first, I'm telling you, that's when God gets the glory. And that's really what we're after with the priests. They want other people to experience God's glory. So, I want you to gather the craftsmen. I want you to show them what they're supposed to make. And in verse four, it says, these are the garments that they must make. So here's a big summary of what they're told to do. They need to make a breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a specially woven tunic, like what you would see, um, and Muslims overseas. I mean, I think that's what we're always talking about. Wait, I just went like this for a tunic. A turban is up here. A tunic is down here and a sash. And they're to make holy garments for your brother Aaron and his son so that they, there it is again, may serve me. A priest are to serve the Lord. Now in verse five, I love this. It says they should use gold, Blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen. Remember, the last couple days, we've been integrating this blue, purple, and scarlet yarn in everything that people are building, whether it's curtains, whether it's clothing. And, you know, we we talked about how the blue and the scarlet, and then you have the purple in the middle, how it's the God and, and the flesh coming together for this uh, sacrifice that He's making. And, you know, it's a stretch, but I, I love the image of what we're talking about. So, all right, here we go. Let's start unfolding... Uh, the garments of the priest, Kevin, if we can, let's go to Exodus 28, verse six. Now I have to tell you guys, I have no problem telling you this. I've never really taught on the holy garments. (laughs) Just not one of those. Gosh, I think this is going to bring about revival, a move of God. Here we go. But scripture says in 119, revive me, O Lord, according to thy word. I don't want us to miss this, you guys. There's some key things that I believe can radically impact how we walk with the Lord, how we serve the Lord, just by learning a little bit about the priest. So in verse six, it says, they are to make, you ready for this? The ephod, E-P-H-O-D, of finely spun linen, embroidered with gold and with blue, purple, and scarlet yarn. So can I go over to my map here as a meteorologist, guys? Okay, so (laughs) so what you have is, is that we're supposed to make an ephod, right? This ephod is right here on this priest provided by Simon Brown. And this this says this blue, purple, and scarlet yarn. So this whole thing covering his body, this beautiful image, that's the ephod, okay? It's like an outer covering, okay? An outer garment is what you're going to see. And on it, it says it must have two shoulder pieces, okay? Like, I mean, he, he, in some ways, he's a football player. He's the Jerusalem, uh, what would be their mascot, Tom? I can't remember, did we say... The Jerusalem Rams, probably the Jerusalem Rams. OK, so anyway, actually, that that would actually work. We'll get to that in a little bit. So you have two shoulder pieces attached to the edges so that it can be joined together. Now, within this, there's an artistically woven waistband. OK, I'm just going to write this here on our, on our. Do we call this a blackboard, guys, on our blackboard here. And so the, the waistband, it says, OK, what we can tell. You're like, well, that's kind of obvious. It needs to be one piece, and the waistband needs to be connected and around the ephod, okay? Now, this waistband is on the ephod, must be of one piece, according to the same workmanship of gold, of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and of finely spun linen. In other words, it needs to match the same material as the ephod. Super crazy details. But I believe the Lord tells us we are supposed to do things of excellence. And if you're going to make a holy garment for the priest, I'm telling you, if they don't wear it, they're going to die. This thing has to be like superpowers. (laughs) Like this is legit. Does that make sense? So like this is when I see this, I'm not going to kill you. If I don't see this, you're dead. So strangely enough, this is how God connects to his people. Then it says as well in verse uh, nine, take two onyx stones, engrave on them the names of Israel's sons, okay? So you have a waistband. And then really, I guess I I can put on here as well, you have shoulder pieces. And on the shoulder pieces, right, you have two onyx stones. And on the onyx stones, you're supposed to engrave the 12 tribes. You're supposed to engrave the names of the Israel's sons. I won't do this to you guys since we're at the beginning of the week of our lesson here, right? Just so you guys know. But the 12 tribes are Reuben, I want you to put on on your right shoulder, they would typically say the first six. They typically say the right shoulder is the order of the birth. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan, Naphtali. On the left, Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulon, Joseph, and Benjamin. I want you to put the 12 tribes, six of their names on the first stone and the remaining six names on the second stone in the order of their birth. Now in verse 11, Scripture says engrave the two stones with the names of Israel's sons as a gem cutter engraves a seal. Mount them surrounded with gold filigree settings. Rich, you got any idea what what filigree is? I have no idea. What we know is is that, I don't either just for the record, (laughs) you're going to set it on your shoulders, okay? And I'm just going to say basically somehow it's going to help use that to put it all together. I mean, it's not glue. I know that. I get that. But it has some kind of a look that ties it all together. Then in verse 12, fasten both stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as a memorial stone for the Israelites. Aaron, now this is cool, will carry the names. Why Aaron? Because he's the holy priest. Aaron's going to carry the names of his two shoulders. Hey, guys. (laughs) Before the Lord as a reminder. You know, can't you, uh, it'd be like me putting Maya and Nadia and then Selah and Jude, you know, in some regards, I'm, I'm carrying their names before the Lord. Now, a little controversy, but why not? Let's just go there. I know some people put tattoos on their arms of their kids. I'm pretty sure that they don't have the two onyx stones in mind. but Maybe they do, but I do want, I do know this, that Aaron is going to present them to the Lord. He's here to serve them on behalf of the Lord. A lot there, but let's keep going to verse 13. Fasten gold filigree settings. Keep going, Kevin, if we can. Verse 14. and two chains of pure gold, you'll make them of braided cord work and attach the cord chains to the settings. Now, in verse 15, here we go. We got another part. You are to make an embroidered breast piece. Okay? An embroidered breast piece for making decisions. This is really cool, you guys. Wait, what? I'm going to put on a breast piece for making decisions? Like, this is going to help me? Now watch, it says, make it with the same workmanship as the ephod. Make it of gold, blue, purple, scarlet yarn. In other words, I want you to look normal and I want you to look nice. (laughs) I want you to match. In verse 16, scripture just says this, it must be square, folded double, nine inches long and nine inches wide. Verse 17, I want you to place a setting of gemstones on it. Now, here's what we're going to describe. You're going to see right here, okay? Right here, you're going to see this breast piece. You're going to see four rows of three. Four rows of three. Anybody already want to know why the four rows of three? Twelve tribes. Twelve tribes. So now you're, you're carrying the twelve tribes on your shoulder, and this is cool, and on your heart. Four rows of stones. The first row should be a row of carnelian, topaz, and emerald. Okay, then it continues on into verse 19, the sec- or 18. The second row, a turquoise, a sapphire, and a diamond continues on. The third row, a jasthin, an agate, an agate? and an amethyst, and the fourth row, a barrel, an onyx, and a jasper. They should be adorned with gold filigree in their settings. So here you have this breast piece that's on top of your ephod, that's sitting above the waistband, that's below the the shoulder pieces. And as you're walking into the courtyard, as you're walking into the, the holy place, you are carrying the 12 tribes. You are a representation. You're the ambassador of the people of God. And I love this image of what God expects of the holy priests. And then it says in verse 21, the 12 stones are to correspond to the the names of Israel's sons. Each stone must be engraved like a seal with one of the names of the 12 tribes. And isn't that awesome? Kevin, can you go to Malachi 3.17? You know, I don't know when, when he had this in place, if this is what he was thinking of. But Malachi 317, God calls the Israelites, look at this. He says, they will be mine, says the Lord, of hosts, a special possession on the day I am preparing. I will have compassion on them as a man has compassion on his son who serves him. That word special possession can also, we're talking about they are his special jewels. That's what he's referencing. These are my jewels. This is who I am for, even when they do just dumb and stupid things, which don't worry, we'll get to that very, very soon. Now, in verse 22, as I continue to go through the holy garments, okay, uh, you're to make, well, let me just say the breast, uh, breast piece has 12 stones and we know they all represent the tribes. Okay. It says, you're to, you're to make braided chains of pure gold cord for the breast piece. Breast piece. Keep going to verse 23. Fashion two gold rings for the breast piece and attach them to its two corners. So just so you can see, this is so it, it doesn't move. So you can keep it tight. Okay. Uh, and then it continues on, then attach the two gold cords to the two gold rings at the corners of the breast piece. Verse 25, it says, attach the other ends of the two cords. Do you see how detailed God is telling Moses to tell the skilled craftsman, I need you to make this and make it right? Crazy enough. And in this way, attach them to the ephod shoulder pieces in the front. So ephod connects to the shoulder pieces. And down below continues on, Kevin, if you would, verse 26, make two other gold rings, put them at the two other corners of the breastpiece on the edge that is next to the inner border of the ephod. I mean, these guys don't know what they're building. They don't know what they're making. He's giving them very specific instructions. How I, I hate following directions when you open up a package, you're like, how many of us actually follow what it says? How many have actually even read them? Right, that's the whole point. Thank you for like the honesty is good. I have rebuilt things three times, and then you would be like, "Why didn't I just read this before?" You know, like that's just kind of where you get to. So, and then it's like when you do GPS. GPS tells you exactly how to go, and you're like, "Man, what does GPS know?" And you try to do it a different way. I would recommend to not make a holy garment a different way than what God said. <laughs> Scripture says otherwise, you will die if you're not wearing it. Uh, Exodus 28 verse 27: Make two more gold rings. And attach them to the bottom of the ephod's two shoulder pieces on its front. Close to its seam and above the ephod's uh, woven waistband. Verse 27. Make two more gold rings. Holy cow, we're just going to keep on making gold rings. Uh, yeah, I just went through that, didn't I, Kevin? Yeah, there you go. Verse 28. The craftsmen are to tie the breast piece from its rings to the rings of the ephod ...with a cord of blue yarn so that the breast piece is above the ephod's waistband and does not come loose from the ephod. Everything needs to be tight. Everything needs to be in order. Basically, wear your belt and actually use it. I mean, that's what he's saying here. And then in verse 29, here we go. Whenever he enters the sanctuary, Aaron is <coughs> excuse me, is to carry the names of Israel's sons over his heart on the breast piece for decisions as a continual reminder... Before the Lord. I don't want you to forget what I have done for you. Wow. There's a lot here, and I want you to kind of dig into that, but because of time, I want you to just, just hey, what does that look like when where Jesus is, is caring or Paul is carrying the people that he's thinking about, that he's praying for in his heart? Now in verse 30, it says, I want you to place the Urim and the Thun, uh, the Urim, Urim, okay, and Thumen, in the breastpiece for decisions, so that they will also be over Aaron's heart whenever he comes before the Lord. So here you have, okay, this Urim and Thummim. It's inside on the actual breast piece. There are so many things. Aaron will, I'll just say this Aaron will continually carry the means of decisions for the Israelites over his heart before the Lord. Now, this Urim and Thummim. there's a lot here. Okay, the Urim, it begins with the first letter of the Hebrew's alphabet. The Thunum begins with the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, sometimes they think that they, this could represent lots. That if you had the Urim, it would be a no. If you had a Thunum, it would be a yes. Lots were typically used to, um, so that you would have positive or negative responses. Kind of like a black magic eight ball. Like you shake it and it says, this is what my decision does. In some weird way, Urim and Thunum is is used as divine guidance. Okay, we know that this Urim and Thunum is, is talked about in other different instances. Kevin, just for an example, you want to go to Leviticus 8, 8, if you would. Leviticus 8, 8. So a couple times, at least... Six times we know the Urim and Thunum is referenced, okay? In fact, Kevin, why don't you go to 1 Samuel 28, 6. Here's another description in Leviticus 8 about putting it in the breastpiece. But if you go to 1 Samuel 28, 6, just another illustration about how they used this. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him in dreams or by the Urim or by the prophets. And so they used this as a decision maker. Really, you guys, that's really all we know. Somehow, when you walked in, God spoke through the Urim and the Thunim about an answer. That's really all we know. But they did use it. Okay, now, interesting enough. And just so you know, I'm going to put on here the U and the T under the breast piece, okay? (laughs) Now, in verse 31, you're to make the robe, okay, of the ephod entirely of blue yarn. Now, I love this. If you don't like blue, you're in trouble. You shouldn't consider being a holy priest. But the blue is under the ephod, under the breast piece, under uh, the waistband, under the shoulder pieces, okay? It's kind of like, it, it's, it's the statement piece, right? It's, it's, the, it's the one that stands out, and it is the color blue. Scripture says in verse 32, there should be an opening at the top in the center of it. Around the opening, there should be a woven collar with an opening like that of body armor so that it does not tear. Continues on in verse 33, okay? So we're talking about a robe. Now I want you to make pomegranates, okay? Po- is that a fruit? Pomegranates is a fruit. Pomegranates of, well, I'll write it now that I've got started, of blue, purple, I haven't written that for all the other ones, but blue, purple, and scarlet, okay? And then at the same time, you're going to put gold bells. And both of these are going to go at the bottom, Okay? And you can see this right here. Here you have the pomegranates and gold bells. Rich, I know you know this one. Why, why do we have this on the bottom of their robe? The bells? Either one, bells or pomegranates. Well, um, it's so that when the, priest, the high priest went in, in case he died, they would know that he was not walking around anymore, his bells were not jingling, so they would just drag him out. <laughs> Absolutely correct. Watch this. I want you in verse thirty-four. I want you to hem this—the gold bells and the pomegranates—at the lower hem of the robe, and he's exactly what Rich just said in verse thirty-five. Scripture says this: the robe must be worn by Aaron whenever he ministers, and its sound will be heard—ding, ding, ding, ding—when ding, he enters the sanctuary before the Lord, and when he exits, so that he does not die. In other words, what you would do is you would put a rope. They say they typically take a long rope and tie it to the priest's ankles. And so before he entered the holy place, so that if all of a sudden you don't hear the bells and the pomegranates ringing, you would assume he's died in the presence of the Lord. And then here's what nobody talks about. And then you just yank out the dead priest. <laughs> What's your role? Just in case he dies, I'm yanking out the dead priest. So you've got all kinds of different roles, all kinds of different items that the Lord has told Moses, I want your skilled craftsmen to make. Man, there's so much. I want to make sure you understand. Study in more in depth on the pomegranates and the gold bells. What I believe is that they, they they symbolize so much of God's word. They symbolize so much of how God is speaking to his people. In verse 35, this robe, okay, we talked about this, how he must not die. And then in verse 36, okay, you're to make a plate of pure gold. And so all of a sudden now you have a gold plate, not, not on your teeth, okay, But like the engraving of a seal, holy to the Lord. So you're supposed to have a gold plate that's going to be put on your turban. Fasten it, in verse 37, to a cord of blue yarn so that it can be placed on the turban. The medallion is to be on the front of the turban. Now watch this. Why? Why Why do we have this where it says holy to the Lord? Because in verse 38, Scripture says this, "...it will be on Aaron's forehead so that Aaron may bear the guilt connected with the holy offerings." that the Israelites consecrate as all their holy gifts. It is all always to be on his forehead. So this never should be taken off so that they may find acceptance with the Lord. When God sees this golden medallion, this golden plate, holy to the Lord, he says, oh, by the way, I now will consecrate their holy gifts. I now will accept what they're bringing to the table. Scriptures continues on in verse 39. You're to weave the tunic, right? So you have a tunic, (laughs) you have a turban, And you have a sash. And he says, I want you to make tunic sashes and headbands for Aaron's sons to give them glory and beauty. Put these on your brother Aaron and his sons. Then anoint, ordain and consecrate them so that they will serve me, that they may serve me as priests. And then one other item in your holy uh, garments. Please, please don't forget your underwear. You got to put on your undergarments, not sponsored by under armor, but your undergarments is kind of fun. And they, this must extend from your waist to your thighs. And in verse 43, they must be worn by Aaron, his sons, whenever they enter the tent of meeting. In other words, please don't forget to wear your underwear when you come and serve me. Lots of comments there. Or when you approach the altar to minister in the sanctuary area so that they do not incur, I don't want you to incur guilt or die. This would be a permanent statue for Aaron and for his descendants after him. What I love about this, you guys, this entire chapter, is that the priests are to come to the table, as Nebus says, with the pure heart. They're supposed to come to the table, that they represent the uh, people without guile, and they're supposed to worship without deviating from the commands. They know they are to serve as the high priest. And let's just point to the end all. Jesus is our high priest. And what you're going to see, it's pretty clear, you guys, is that as the high priests enter before the tabernacle, before the presence of God, we no longer need the high priest. We now have the high priest, and his name is Jesus Christ. Kevin, I want to just close it with this. Go to Hebrews 2, verse 17. I love this image. Over and over in the book of Hebrews, you see, over and over you see, Jesus being described. Therefore, he had to be like his brothers in every way so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Here you have Jesus serving as our high priest to make propitiation of on our sins so that we could come in the presence of the Lord. All because we're talking about holy garments and high priests. Here you have it, folks. Exodus 27 and 28. My prayer is that this greatly encourages you to continue to put on the garments of Christ. Thanks.